Well, if you were around last week, then you saw that sometimes we struggle to blend in a little bit with what's around us. And we kind of have some pictures here to illustrate this for you again. This first one perfectly matches those construction barrels. How great is that? Like, I feel like we should give all of our parking team members that outfit. You know, they'll fit in right there out on 347. People will be pulling in and be like, I think a barrel just waved at me. I'm not quite sure what's going on here. This next guy needs to either go sweater shopping or stop eating in that restaurant. Um, the next guy is a, definitely a future model, whether he planned on it or not. Uh, so just a perfect little setup there. Uh, then this guy needs to be a magician. He can make his feet disappear, but only with these socks on this carpet. So little magician stuff going on. And then we have our military man who, after a long tour, can finally sleep without being seen or disturbed on that couch there. And this, this last lady either has a tree growing out of her or has the same exact flower pattern. I think she is Groot, actually. That's, that's what I'm going to go with on that one. And then lastly, we actually have one of our own. This is very exciting. Uh, this is Dana and Andrew Mother's mom. Uh, last Sunday, Dana sent me this, this picture. She said, after the message today, I walked in, and my mom was wearing this dress, and it perfectly matched the rug. So I said, Mom, lay down on the rug. And I snapped the picture. So there she is. But sometimes we tend to blend in with the environment around us. And that is not just true with these people's clothing choices. It's also true sometimes with the way that we live our lives. We, we blend in when we should stand out. We blend in with the people around us. And last week, we just started to talk about how when we begin a relationship with Jesus, that's supposed to start to change. We're supposed to start more and more to stand out. We're not supposed to look like everyone around us. We're not supposed to respond like everyone around us responds. We're supposed to look different. So last week, my challenge to you guys was, as we looked to scripture, was that we're supposed to shine this love that makes no sense. This, this love that Jesus has given us and has poured into our lives, we're supposed to now shine to other people. And I hope this past week you were challenged. I know that there were times in this past week I was ready to respond one way because someone did or said something to me, and I just stopped myself and said, no, wait, love in a way that makes no sense. Don't, don't just love in ways that people can relate to and understand. Love in such a radical way, like Jesus loved us, that people literally stop and go, how is this person doing this? How are they loving so radically? That will draw people to Jesus. But today, I want to talk with you about how we tend to struggle with standing out in our everyday lives, just our day-to-day lives and the way that we live them. And I'll just give you some examples of how I think we struggle to stand out. Um, one is anger, right? So if somebody does something that gets you and I upset, how are we going to respond? Are we going to respond in a way that sort of just makes sense like everybody around us would? Or are we going to stand out? Are we going to look differently? Now, this, this could be the person that you're having you know, a road rage issue with, or it could be someone you really love and know well. How are you going to respond in that moment when it comes to anger? Back before Christmas, my wife Kelly was having a lot of physical issues. She was just feeling terrible. And we were trying to figure out what was going on with her. And so we got her in to see this specific doctor. And we really thought that seeing this specific doctor was going to help. And she just really needed some relief. So I was so thankful she was going. We were kind of counting down the days till she would go. It was Wednesday, 3 o'clock, right before Christmas. And so Kelly shows up at the site, and there is a note on the door that says, we have changed locations. And she's like, oh, no, I didn't know that. So, so she dials her GPS thing up, which that's one of the terms she makes fun of me about. She says she calls that one of my old man terms, dial it into the GPS, okay. And so uh, she had it dialed in, and, and as she's on her way, she calls them to say she's going to be late. Now, now she, I don't do that. I just show up late, right? She calls them to say that she's going to be late. And the GPS is saying she'll be six minutes late for the appointment. Well, the lady on the other end says, well, I'm sorry, we have to cancel your appointment then. And Kelly's like, wait, but 
I didn't know you moved offices, and I'm just going to be six minutes late. And she says, well, we have an office Christmas party that we're having, and so we're canceling your appointment. And so she calls me, so upset, and I got so angry. And now if this was just a normal checkup or whatever, a dentist or something, who cares about dentistry, right? I mean, no, if it was any of that, that's one thing. But this was my wife who's in a lot of pain. And I really wanted to go down there, and it wasn't to wish them a Merry Christmas, if you know what I mean. But am I going to stand out, or am I going to just blend in and do what everybody else does? Some other examples of how we struggle with this. What about our forgiveness struggles, right? Someone wounds us deeply. Are we going to forgive? Are we going to let something go in a way that almost doesn't even make sense to the world around us? Or are we just going to kind of hold on to a grudge like everybody else? Or what about this? What about when we offend someone? Are we going to humble ourselves and ask of their forgiveness? That stands out. That's a whole different thing. What about when it comes to being pure? Husbands and wives in the room being faithful to our spouse. But all of you single people in the room, being being faithful to the spouse you will one day have. Being faithful to the spouse you don't even have yet. But being faithful right now in this phase of life. Imagine the power of that. Or what about just lust? What about... Not just the things we look at, but even where we let our minds go. Are we going to just kind of be like everybody else? Are we going to make the same comments in the locker room or in the office or at work? Or are we going to stand out? You see, that's the challenge that we find here in looking at the verses we're going to be looking at here tonight. And I just want to encourage you, though it's so difficult, purity is possible. Purity is possible in 2017. Not perfection, but purity. Okay, I help out at the green room on Friday nights with Joey and the team. And, and this past week, I was talking with some 10th, 8th, uh, 10th, 8th and 11th, yeah, 10th, 11th, 12th grade guys. And we were talking about all kinds of stuff. But one of the things we started talking about was purity and lust and that whole battle and that whole struggle. And I told them, guys, you have it way worse than I do. Because when I was a kid, there was no internet and their eyes got all big, you know. Smoke starts coming out of their ears. What? You know. But, but there was no internet. So if I wanted to look at something impure, I had to like go and find some place that would sell a shady magazine. You guys have it right in your phone. You guys have access anywhere. You guys are bombarded. But having said that, purity is still possible. Not perfection, but, but purity. Living overall a pure life. And what we need to realize about all these things I've mentioned and some things I haven't. Maybe it's how you treat people. Maybe it's how you act toward people who don't believe like you, whether it has to do with your faith or politically. Maybe it has to do with your integrity, how you handle money or gossip or lying. I don't know. But I know we're supposed to stand out. And I just want to encourage you tonight that there's such power in you and I standing out. Some of you guys might be saying, well, why should I stand out? Well, I'll just remind you of a few of the things that we said last week, too. We saw that the first, the first reason we should stand out and not just blend in is because Jesus died for us. He gave his life for us, and that should fuel all of this. This should all be a loving response. Jesus, you died for me. I don't want to be sleeping around. I don't want to be looking at things I shouldn't be looking at. I don't want to be holding on to grudges when you've forgiven all that you could have held against me. But secondly, it's that idea that God's way is best. God's way is best. And, and we say this all the time here, but, but God does not tell us to do certain things and not do other things to ruin our fun. He does it to preserve our joy and our satisfaction. See, the truth is, unforgiveness and anger and lust and lying and pride and all the things that we struggle with, they always advertise this big game, like they're gonna come through and save the day for us. And we all have seen through that, haven't we, by now? That none of those things deliver like they promised to. 
And so God's way is best. When he says stay away from this stuff, he's saying it for a reason because he loves us so much. But sort of the big home run reason in this series why we want to stand out is because the world around us needs to see Jesus. And have you ever thought that the way you live your life is one of the best tools God has to reach the world around you? The way you and I live our lives. Again, we're not going to get this perfectly. We're going to stumble and fall. And in this message, toward the end, we're going to talk about what you do when you stumble and fall. How do you work that out? Here we are trying to shine brightly for Jesus, and we fail big time. What do we do then? Well, we're going to talk about that. But just because we're not going to get it perfectly doesn't mean we shouldn't aim at living these lives that stand out. And I think the funny thing and the interesting thing is that I think the lie that we believe is that our sin really only impacts us. So if I do something I shouldn't do, then my life will be impacted. There'll be some consequences. Well, of course, the people around us are often impacted too. But you know who else is impacted? The people that you and I have the potential to reach for Christ. When we do things that God wouldn't have us do, it pushes the world around us that's looking, that's watching away from you and from me. And so we'll fall short, but when we're renewed in his love, when we run to him to forgiveness, man, we, are, we have a, a new opportunity to aim at honoring him. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus here tonight, we are so glad you're here. And some of you guys might say, this is why I'm not a follower of Jesus, because I've known too many Christians. I've met too many Christians, and they just don't seem like the real thing. They blend in too much. And so tonight, I hope you're hearing me say that this needs to change, that we need to be like the Jesus we follow. And though we're not going to be perfect like he was, we can certainly become more and more like him. And so if we've pushed you away by the way we've lived our lives, please forgive us and see we're trying to change and be more like Jesus would want us to be. So we're going to look at some verses tonight in Matthew 5, and we're going to kind of revisit sort of the foundation verses really quickly that we started with last week. And Jesus was teaching this huge crowd in Matthew 5.14. He said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So let me remind you what Jesus is not saying. He's not saying the way we should stand out is by being annoying. He's not saying the way we should stand out is by becoming the moral police for the world around us who don't even believe in Jesus anyway. And he's not saying we should withdraw from culture, right? What he is saying is that our lives should be pouring out these good deeds and then people can see them and be drawn to God. That's what we're aiming at here. Remember last week we, we, looked, we looked at that awesome castle that was up by the college that I went to? And as you drove past that castle, it just stood out from all the buildings and all the houses in that area. And it made you stop and take notice and say, what is that? And that's what our lives are supposed to be. There's supposed to be this city on a hill, this castle on a hill. But the question comes, okay, so I'm supposed to live this life that stands out, I'm supposed to do these good deeds that honor God, but how do I do it? Where, where do these good deeds come from? Because maybe you're sitting there going, I've been trying, but I've been failing. And what I want to just encourage you guys with is, this message is not a message about treating symptoms. This is not a message. I'm not telling you today, hey, come on, get your porn thing under control, stop sleeping around, stop being angry. I'm not trying to treat those symptoms and saying, just have more self-control. What we're going to see here tonight is how to treat the heart that all these things flow from. So Jesus goes on 
a little bit later. And I don't think it's any mistake that these verses are only a few after him talking about shining brightly because I think he gives us some things to aim at. I think he gives us some examples of how our lives could shine brightly by the way we live our lives. So in in Matthew 5, 21, Jesus says this, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who's angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Verse 23, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, so if you're in church worshiping, ready to give your offering, and there remember your brother or sister has something against you, so this is someone who's upset with you, he says this, he says, leave your gift there in front of the altar, first go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. So what does Jesus say? He's saying, hey, stand out when it comes to anger, when it comes to forgiveness, and when it comes to asking people to forgive you. Stand out. Don't be like everybody else. Don't blend in. Some of you guys know who John Contest is, an awesome guy, and he was one of our teachers when I was in school growing up. And, and he, I remember him telling this story about how he took his van in one day for like an oil change or something. And he went to pick the van up. And when he went, they said, well, the oil change is done, but when we put your van on the lift, we bent the frame of your van. And he said, in that moment, I knew I had two choices. I could shine brightly as a Jesus follower and be gracious, or I could do what everybody else would do. I could let them have it. I could tell them why this is unacceptable. They're going to be hearing from my lawyer, or I want to talk to the manager, or, right? All that. And he said, but I knew I had to shine brightly. And so when anger hits you, will you stand out or blend in? When unforgiveness, there's that temptation to, to hang on to the grudge, Will you stand out or will you blend in? Joey and I lead our amazing softball team here at this church. It's incredible the things we can accomplish on a softball field. And uh, I don't know if you got this email, Joe, but, but we got an email about this manager's meeting coming up, which we always blow off anyway. But, um, but, but the email said this. The email said, if you are no longer the manager of your softball team or if you have left the church and don't want to affiliate with them anymore, let me know and I'll reach out to them for you. Is this seriously where our Christian softball league is at? That the manager can't even be Christ-like enough to forward the email to the new manager at the church that he left? Seriously, is that the commentary on Christians? No wonder the world wants nothing to do with us. We can't even get along with each other playing a game. And so we've got to learn how to stand out. We've got to learn how to shine brightly. You see, when the world sees a bunch of Christians who get angry just like everybody else, and I've talked with you about my struggle with anger. I've seen God do a great work in my life over the last eight months as I've brought him the hurt and pain in my heart. I've seen him bring healing, and I've seen a difference in my life. But I've been honest with you about that. But if the world doesn't see a difference in us when it comes to that, when it comes to unforgiveness, when it comes to asking forgiveness, then they're not, not going to want anything to do with Jesus. But if they see people who forgive in a way that just blows everybody's minds, like why would you forgive when they did that? People are going to lean in and say, what's with Jesus? What is with this God that they worship? When you and I are willing to bring our hurts to God and find healing so that we can forgive, people are going to be just amazed and want to know this God you and I serve. When people see you and I humbly saying, hey, I really messed up here. Would you forgive me? They're gonna be drawn to our Savior. I don't know if you've ever thought about like this. I don't think I ever had. But your forgiveness is a powerful tool to reach people for Jesus. Your forgiveness is a tool in the hands of God. 
When you and I are willing to forgive, it's not just about us, right? We always hear that we're locked in this prison of unforgiveness. That's true. But you know what we don't hear? That when you and I forgive and we forgive like Jesus and we look like him, others will take note of that and say, man, I want to know more about this God. Can you imagine the reason someone believed in God was because of the way you or I loved or forgave? Imagine if that was their evidence that God existed. Because how else could someone forgive in such an unusual way? And so will you and I stand out instead of blending in? Then down in verse 27, Jesus says, you've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So Jesus says, stand out when it comes to purity. Don't sleep around. Don't cheat on your spouse. But Jesus takes it even further than that, doesn't he? He says, don't even look at a woman lustfully. Don't even look, for for you ladies in the room, don't even look at a guy lustfully. Have a pure heart. Now, these things seem impossible in 2017 in some ways, don't they? But remember why we're doing this. We're doing this because Jesus died for us. So the affair or the porn is in the way of me worshiping Jesus with my life. We're doing this because God's way is best. And so the affair or the porn or the lust is trying to steal from me my real satisfaction and my real joy. It promises satisfaction and joy that it can never deliver. And it's trying to steal the real thing from me. I've said this before, but I've never in my life heard someone say, you know what I regret? I regret I didn't have more affairs. Never heard anybody say that. Never heard anybody say, I think my problem in life is I'm not addicted to enough pornography. Never heard anyone say that. What I've heard over and over again, though, is, man, I wish I hadn't slept around. Man, I wish I hadn't looked at those images on that screen. I've heard that a lot. And so doing things God's way is the wise way, is the best way. But lastly and most importantly, you and I are doing this to win people to Christ. Your purity is a tool to reach people for Jesus. Your purity, have you ever thought about it that way? It's a powerful tool to reach people for Jesus. Have you ever thought that standing out in that way would actually draw your friends to Christ? Your purity can impact others. Do you know how I know that? Do you know how I know that purity is really powerful? Because I know that impurity is really powerful, okay? So what do I mean by that? Unfortunately, we've all heard the story about the pastor or the leader or the politician who was doing real great and then suddenly had the affair and then suddenly did the wrong thing and he fell. And what happened to the people that followed him? They were pretty beat up. They were pretty torn apart. Some, some fell away from Christ. Some, some didn't quite know what to do with themselves. Some churches have fallen apart because of this. So I know purity is so powerful because I know how powerful impurity is. But let's flip that back on its head now and look at the good of it. Do you know how blessed people will be by your purity? Some of you guys in the room are married. Many of you aren't yet. Do you know how much you will bless your spouse as you live a pure life? Again, not a perfect life, but a a pure life over the course of your life. Do you know how much now, this is important to those of you guys who are single dating in that whole scene right now, your purity right now matters for your marriage later. Your purity right now will bless your spouse later. You're going, but Doug, I've already messed this up. I've already messed, okay, well, we're gonna get to that. But from this day forward, because now that's what we have now. You can't go back and change what you've done. But now going forward, your purity can bless your spouse that you don't even have yet. Your purity will bless your 
kids, your closeness with your spouse, which is built on purity, will bless your future kids or some of you, your current kids. A few weeks ago, Kelly and I were walking and we were just holding hands and this older man uh, stopped us and said, it is so nice to see the two of you holding hands. And I said, mind your own business, old man. No, no. I, uh, I, we kind of smiled and, 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 you know, thanked him. And, but you know what happened there? That wasn't like this huge display of purity. But do you know what that is, though? This is powerful. That is a habit of closeness between me and my wife, just walking, holding hands, built on a love that's built on two people pursuing purity. Not perfectly pure, but pursuing Purity, aiming our lives at honoring one another and being faithful to one another. And that stands out. Your purity is a powerful tool to reach people for Jesus. And I'll tell you, purity in 2017 will, will get some people's attention. Uh, a few years ago when Tim Tebow was still playing football, I think he's like uh, on the, uh, I think he's on the, Synchronized swimming team for the Olympics now or something like that. He's trying something new. I don't know. Underwater basket weaving. I don't know. Something like that. But, but uh, I'm sorry. That was terrible. But good old Tim. He, he was out there playing football, right? And it had gotten out in an interview or something that he was still a virgin. And so he's at a press conference and someone had the guts to raise their hand and say, Tim, we hear you're a virgin. And he felt the whole room get really awkward. And he just kind of stopped, and he smiled, and he laughed, and he said, I am a virgin, and I'm proud of that. And he kind of looked at all these reporters and said, are you guys okay? He's like, I'm fine with it. You all freaked out, right? And he just wanted to stand and say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm pure. Now, here's the thing. Some people have made fun of him. Some people might make fun of you. Some people might make fun of me. Some people might, you know, some married guys looking at me going, oh, come on, man, you got to start. You know, I've actually had people say to me, come on, you don't look, and a beautiful woman walks by. You're not going to just stand there and just kind of take it in, right? So we get mocked a little bit. But do you know what I know? I know that those same guys, those same girls that will make fun of us, those same people that maybe put Tebow down, there's a moment where they're by themselves, and they're thinking about the brokenness they've found in unfaithfulness and adultery and the brokenness that they've found in pornography and being a kind of a slave to all that, and I think they're almost jealous of you. They're jealous of your aim and your pursuit of purity. They're jealous maybe of your marriage or how you're setting yourself up or the dating relationship you have because it's so different than what they have. We should stand out in the way we date. We should stand out in the way we treat our spouse or the one we don't even have yet. By being pure here and now, your purity will stand out. Purity is one of the ways that we shine like a city on a hill. Then Jesus says something pretty shocking in verse 29. He says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, does Jesus really want you to cut off your hand or gouge out your eye? No. Tom Constable says this. This is a hyperbolic statement designed to make a point by overstatement. So Jesus is overstating here. What is Jesus actually saying? He's saying do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes to deal with the anger in your heart. 
Do whatever it takes to deal with the unforgiveness in your heart. Do whatever it takes to humble your heart so you can ask someone else for forgiveness if you've wronged them. Do whatever it takes to be faithful to your spouse. Do whatever it takes to be pure. And he talks about a lot in this whole sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, how you handle money. He talks about marriage. He talks about judging others. He says, do whatever it takes to honor me. Why? Because Jesus, he died for you because his way is best and because we're supposed to shine like a city on a hill. And so he says, do whatever it takes. So if you work in a certain environment and you can't help but flirt and say or do inappropriate things with someone in that office, maybe it's time to ask for a transfer to another part of the office. It might be, Doug, that's kind of extreme. Seriously, I'm supposed to go that far? Well, you could cut off your hands, but you're going to have to give up like sports, music, and clapping because they all take two hands, right? All right, That's probably a better way. Go for the transfer, okay? Some of us need to delete Safari off our phone or Instagram and maybe get a filter or start using that, that ministry, triplexchurch.com, which I've shared with you before, where you can sign up and you and a friend sign up, and now if you're looking at something inappropriate on the web, they get an email about it, and they're calling you, what are you looking at right now? Get off, right? Well, Doug, that's a little extreme, man. All right, well, there's another way. you got to gouge your eye out, though, and I hear that eye patches are a tad itchy, okay? There's a better way. There's a better way. Some of you guys are like, yeah, but what if I'm invited to this party? I don't know if I can. All right, well, if you know you're going to end up wasted or in bed with somebody, stand out. Stand out. Set yourself up to succeed before it's even difficult, right? I remember somebody once saying to my brother-in-law, I can't go to a bar without getting drunk. My brother-in-law said, stop going to the bar. Some of us got to start thinking that way, right? Some of us are here where we have such anger in our hearts. Maybe it's time to start seeing somebody that we can talk to about that anger, Maybe it's time to start getting some counseling or coming up for prayer tonight or, or talking with someone that you love that loves Jesus and getting some counseling so your heart can be healed so you can take steps to forgive, whatever it takes. And like I said, I'm just throwing out a few of these examples here. Maybe it's lying for you. Maybe it's gossip for you. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's how you, you know, struggle to handle money in a way that's honest and right or whatever it might be. I don't know what it is for you. But whatever it takes, it's worth it because Jesus died for us, because his way is best, and because there's a world around us that needs to see Jesus. And your life and my life are some of the greatest evidences that he is alive and well. And so Jesus goes on for a couple chapters and continues to talk about many of these things. But I think what we can see in all of it, the challenge I want to give you is to live a bright Jesus-shining life for all to see. That's the challenge in all this. Live a, a bright Jesus shining life. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. You're not going to be, right? But we're going to live a bright Jesus shining life for all to see. So let me ask you a couple questions. What is your biggest struggle to stand out? What is it? What, what, let me say it the opposite way. How is it most easy for you to blend in? Because that's the thing God wants you to be bringing to him. That's the thing God wants to infuse life into and bring freedom and allow you to begin to shine brightly. And I said earlier, how do we do this? How how does this all work out? How are we going to be able to actually pull this off? Because, Doug, it sounds like you're kind of talking about 
managing symptoms. No, we have to attack this at the heart. And the way that we can be pure in 2017, when we're bombarded every moment of every day, the way that we can forgive, the way that we can handle money with integrity, the way that we can honor our future spouse or our current one, the way that we can do all these things is simply by our closeness with Jesus. It's that simple. The closer that I am to Jesus, the more time I'm spending in prayer daily, the more time I'm in his word, the more time I'm here with you, the more time I'm in a community group or I got great friends that I love that love Jesus along with me and we can talk and push each other closer toward Jesus. The more I'm doing that, the more I'm gonna find victory in all these areas and all these struggles, the more brightly I'm going to shine. It's really that simple. Like that illustration that I shared with you last week that Pastor Bravone had shared, like the moon has no light of its own. It just has to be shined up, lit up by the sun. You and I have to be close enough to Jesus, the son of God, so that he can shine through you and shine through me. So there are any radical decisions you need to make. And here's what I wanna just say to you guys. End of January, last Sunday of January in 2017, right? This could just be another Sunday or this could be a new beginning. This could just be another week you were here in church or this could be the day You said, all right, I want to do this God's way and I want to shine brightly for him. And if we make that choice, that difficult choice for some of us in the room tonight, we will see over time people drawn to Jesus through our lives. Like I said, last week, you're probably not gonna go into your office and win the whole place to Christ this week. You're probably not gonna go to your school and win everybody to Jesus this week. But if you look at the end of your life and you've lived a life Shining brightly, falling here and there, but shining brightly overall, you will see that God has used your life to draw others to him. Some of you guys know who Jackie Robinson is. He was the first black baseball player in the MLB. And the general manager of the Dodgers was a Christian, found Jackie, who was also a Christian, and came up with this whole plan to have Jackie break into baseball and bust this ridiculous racial barrier that was going on. And The general manager of the Dodgers said to Jackie, the only way this will work is if you shine brightly. The only way this will work is if when they curse you, you don't curse them back. When they throw rocks through your window, you don't retaliate. When they threaten your life or your family's life, you don't do the same back. That's the only way this is going to work. You have to shine brightly. And that's exactly what he did. And he helped change the course of really our nation in many ways. Now, you don't have a stage like that. I don't have a stage like that. But we have an office. We have a family. We have a neighborhood. We have a school. And we have an opportunity to shine brightly. Now, some of you might say, Doug, what about when I fall? What about when I trip? What about when I don't get it right? See, some of you believe this lie. You've already missed your opportunity to shine brightly. You've already messed it up because you did something and a few people know about it or a lot of people know about it and therefore you have no right to talk about Jesus. How could you when you've done what you've done and so many people know about it? Here's what I need you to see. Our staff is going to see a guy named Gordon McDonald speak in a few weeks. And Gordon McDonald was like this super awesome, bright, shining Jesus Christian pastor in the 1980s. He was writing books. He was pastor in a big church. And in 1987, it came out that he had had an affair. And his whole world collapsed. He lost his ministry. He lost his book writing. He lost almost his wife and his family. But he humbled himself. And he knew God wasn't done 
using him yet. And though this was public, and I, when I say public, I'm talking all over the news. Everybody knew the name Gordon McDonald. In fact, when I heard who, who the guy was that was going to be speaking in our area, I remembered instantly, I think that's the guy that had the affair. That's how I remembered him. And I was a kid when this happened. And so everybody knew. But he decided, I'm not done yet. God's not done with me yet. And so he humbled himself, and he got restored, and he got accountable, and he was patient, and he let God rebuild him and rebuild his platform. And he would say this later. He said, I betrayed the covenants of my marriage. I know what it is like to live with a secret, and I know what it is like to live once again in the light. And that is the hope for you and me, because we will fall sometimes, won't we? And we will get it wrong. And sometimes it'll be private, but sometimes it'll be public. And when we fall, we have to say, but I gotta keep on shining brightly. And it might take some time for you to rebuild that platform. It might take some time for you to get back to that place where anyone's gonna take you seriously. But it happened for Gordon McDonald. It could happen for you. He's an author again. He's a pastor again. He's got a great marriage and family. And why else would a bunch of Suffolk County pastors want to come together on a Tuesday afternoon and hear him speak, but to hear what God has done in his life and restoring him and using him so powerfully? And so don't believe the lie that God can't use you. Don't believe the lie that's what pastors are for. No, see, you're in a lot of places we aren't in, and we've got our own issues of our own that we're trying to submit to Jesus and let him work in. And as I've shared with you in the past, when you come to God and say, God, I really struggle with purity. I really struggle with anger. I really struggle with integrity in the way I'm handling money or whatever it might be. I've I've told you in the past, when you do that, as you cooperate with the Holy Spirit, he does the heavy lifting. He does the transformation of your heart. And you begin to see the evidence of it in your life. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, how do you struggle to stand out? How are you just blending in like everybody else? For me, often it's been anger. And that's something that I've been bringing to Jesus and I'm seeing a difference made in my life. And he wants to make that same difference in your life, whatever your struggle might be. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope you see our heart to be like Jesus. And I hope hope tonight you have heard over and over again that Jesus loves you so much that he died in your place, that he wants to remove your sin and he wants you to shine brightly. He wants to use you to show others how great he is. And so I hope you and I, we accept this challenge. Live a bright, Jesus-shining light for all to see. Let's pray. God, we come to you thankful that you can use us, Lord. You can use us in our brokenness. You can use us when we fall. You can use us when everyone else is counting us out. God, you can use us to reach people that maybe others just can't reach, God. You've placed us in a certain school or a certain neighborhood or a family or a workplace. You've given us certain friends. We're alive in 2017 for a reason. And God, I just pray you'll use us, God. I pray that over the course of our life, that as we follow you, as we're close to you, that you would shine through us and that we would stand out like that city or that castle on a hill that makes people look again at who you are. So if you're a follower of Jesus, what do you need to pray about? What what way do you tend to most easily blend in? And ask Jesus to just breathe life into that struggle and he'd help you stand out. And if you believe the lie that you have fallen too far, you've too publicly fallen, too many people know, no one would take you seriously, would you just ask God to give you the grace 
to maybe be on a journey for a while of restoration and of healing and of coming back to a place where he can build a new platform for you to speak from. I also just want to encourage you that tonight might be the night some of you need to bring your sin into the light. You need to pull me aside afterward. You need to come up to our prayer team maybe. You need to pull a friend aside that really loves Jesus. You need to bring your sin into the light. And here's what I can tell you what will happen. When you bring your sin into the light, although the battle might not be over yet, it breaks a lot of the power of it because you've been keeping it secret. Just confessing it begins to break the power of it. And so if you want to confess your sin to someone tonight, I'm not a priest. There's no priest in this room. We go to Jesus, but we also go to one another for accountability, for prayer, for comfort, and for some of the power of that to be broken. So please take that opportunity tonight. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, you could just pray something like this silently. Jesus, please forgive me for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place. Thank you for loving me so much. Please show me how real you are. God, help me to live a bright, Jesus-shining life for all to see.